Welcome, everybody, to the 46th episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm your host, Simon. Manny, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, buddy. 2024. Did you miss me? Did you I miss missed me? you immensely. I, I missed your hug. <laughs> I know. New Year's. I did. <laughs> I, well, we got some sample of that today, hugging each other when Chelsea scored four oh, times what? today. That first half was just like a roller coaster. It was like a seesaw, right? Yeah. Like I was in the bottom waiting to get lifted up, you know, and I was like, and finally the second half, boom. It all started. And with then Persia. I lifted you very high. You did. You did. You picked me up. I, I need to lose more weight. It's that holiday weight, though, right? I didn't feel too bad. Did you hurt your shoulder? A little bit. Yeah. A back, maybe. Yeah, a little fine. bit. Yeah. It's, it's like walking Chelsea, a bit yeah. funky now. <laughs> it's like the Agua Silva, right? Carrying <laughs> yeah. all these kids around. Is that how you felt? <laughs> his son came into the middle yeah, of the game. Did exactly. You he did. <laughs> how was your holidays, mate? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. You know, we apologize to the listeners out there. We weren't able to record an episode after the Luton game. That's partly my fault because I was jet setting again. I was in. Um, Shocker. Yeah, suck. I was in Seattle, actually. Uh, my cousin got married, and uh, the reception was New Year's Eve. And, you know, I was sort of had a mix of emotion about this. And if my cousin's listening, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, this event, New Year's Eve. I had plans, but I guess not. I got to go to Seattle. But it was so much fun. It was so much fun because I got to spend time with family and friends that I have not seen in a long time. Yeah. In a long time. And that was just great catching up with them. And cause you know, COVID messed a lot of things up and seeing my nieces and nephews grow and what they've grown to become like my, my nephew, my, my cousin, Rosie, her son, Arav is like a rock star. This guy can sing. Amazing. He's like, I don't know. He's like seven or eight years old. He's just like, ter- like he's saying for the reception. It was amazing. Are you his agent now? Yeah, I am. I am actually. Yeah. yeah. Call me up, Simon Cowell. Isn't that, isn't that, is that one of your relatives? <laughs> yeah. I once told a load of people in this country that I, Simon Cow was my second cousin. <laughs> exactly. And everyone was like, you know what? You do look a little <laughs> yeah. bit like him. And I was like, well, I haven't pulled my uh, trousers up to my nipples, so I'm not quite Simon Cow yet. How was your New Year's? It was quiet, man. It was nice. Yeah. It was, I was going to ask you, I've never been, so I've been to quite a lot of American states and cities. How is Seattle? I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's my uh, second or third time going. I can't remember, um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful city. The state in itself, just the whole Pacific Northwest, Oregon and, and Washington are just a beautiful segment of, of, of the U.S. And the hiking is great. The food and the drinks are amazing. They do very good cocktails. They do very good food up there. Uh, but the scenery is just beautiful. Just, you know, looking out the window and seeing Mount Rainier from the hotel. It's this huge mountain in, in Washington. It's just beautiful. Getting there, though. Mm. It's quite tough. Flying from here to Seattle was like a five and a half hour flight. And I had a toddler in front of me and it was just like, like, and it was like a five or 6 a.m. flight. And all I wanted to do was just go to bed. And it was just, it was, it was, it was a tough, tough flight, but getting there was, it was awesome. Well, I'm glad my Christmas present of buying that toddler, that plane ticket in front of you worked. Exactly. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It was was like watching that Chelsea Newcastle game all over again, right? (laughs) Just torture you, right? Yeah. There was a couple of one of those to choose from. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm glad you had a good time, mate. So since we last spoke, Chelsea have actually played twice. Yeah, I know, right? One in 2023 and one in 2024. So we beat Luton 3-2 on New Year's Eve. And don't ask me if this is a turning point. I'm sick of <laughs> answering this question. <laughs> I'm running out of <laughs> titles for the episodes yeah, now, exactly. man. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's always been a turning point, right? Uh, no, I mean, just a tell of two different games. Uh, Luton, we talked about tough fixture away, um, you know, just managed. I mean, they played brilliantly against other teams there. Um, and the first 75 minutes was great, you know, going up three zero. I thought we held control of the game pretty well. Cole Palmer, my goodness, brilliant that game. Nani as well. And it just showed you when things are running well with this talent, there's a lot to look forward to in this team. 
but then you have the growing pains, and that was the last ten or twelve minutes of the game. And you, we, we I think you called that maybe Charles, uh, Ross Barkley was going to score, and he did. And then yeah, it was, it was just basically, you know, Luton, the Luton Express, just throw a cross in, and, and inshallah, let's hope hope for the best. And that's what they were doing, and they were successful in one of them. I am amazed we won that game. I was amazed. Even when we went three 0 up, I was like, this is not over. This is not over. Yeah. I, I snuck in a little bit. I thought, okay, maybe we are going to at least get a point here. God, they didn't make it easy. You know, the, but the game was on at four thirty a.m. where I was. Oh, it was. And I, I told you, I was like, I'm just going to wake up and yeah, if we yeah. win. I'm, I'm just going to watch a game. And then we won. And I saw the score. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch a game. And I looked at the Slack channel, and you're like, do not listen to, <laughs> do not read the comments on the channel. Just watch. The yeah, game there was. Yourself. I would say universal meltdown yeah. when they scored their two goals. I think we all got suckered in by it being a smooth afternoon or smooth morning where the Nashville group is concerned. But yeah. Three points is three points. This I made this point to you before the New Year's Eve games, actually, that at this point, you just have to win. You have to get those points on the board. I don't care the way that our year has been. I don't care how we win. I don't care how we win. And You know what? We've lost games in the last year that we should have won. And this was a game that probably we sh- didn't really deserve to win. Probably to get a point. I mean, if you look at the XG, it was one of the only games in the last year we've outperformed our XG. Yeah, they had uh, based on Fat Mob, they had a 2.53 XG and we had a 1.5 XG. But I yeah. feel like the XG gods had to give us something, right? Because yeah, we were exactly we, we needed something going on, and it was just a brilliant, brilliant um, you know show by Cole Palmer in the first half and the first part of the second half as well, and just. Watching the game, knowing the result is different than watching the game live. So I felt bad for you guys with the anxiety levels. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of felt a little bit about that. And, and I was like, oh, I, I, know, I know we won the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I getting nervous about? It wasn't about? easy. Yeah. Never, nothing's easy, easy <sighs> with Chelsea. But that's no. part, part of the entertainment. I'd rather have those games than an easy 5-0. I know we had an easy 4-0 game today, but... That's what makes the Premier League exciting. Luton are actually quite good now. Like yeah. they, they've almost beaten every single team that they've played at Kenilworth Road this year. And having getting three points away from that game, I would have bitten your hand off for it before. Yeah, and Dottie and Barkley played well for them yeah. in that game. They were, they were Chung was very good too. in the yeah, second half. Adebayo as well, he yeah. scored the goal. But yeah, when Chung came in, 100%, he was very, very good. I think when they took off, uh, was it? Kabore at halftime. I think that's what made the biggest switch for them when Chung and I'm probably pronouncing his name incorrectly, Ogbein. Ogbein, Bean, I think. Ogbein, yeah. yeah, when they both came in at halftime, I think it kind of changed up the momentum. And then Carlton Morris as well. Who was your man of the match outside of Cole Palmer? I know you're going to say Cole Palmer. Yeah, I think Noni. Noni Madawake. I think yeah. I really like what I'm seeing from him at the moment. He seems to be a bit more direct, which a- is... I think is really impressive from him. So since she's a Nani, I was going to say Petrovic. I thought, mm. he's, I thought he saved us in the yeah. last 10 or 12 minutes. Him literally, and Thiago Silva. Literally could have been a one-point game or we could have dropped points. Yeah, there, yeah. You know? But he came in and made two impressive saves and helped us secure the three points. What I found that very impressive, even more impressive from him actually, was the fact that he was, we were under a barrage in that second half, in that last 20 minutes. And he handled it brilliantly with a calmness. And he looks like the real deal, actually. He looks like a very good shot stop. He looks calm at the back. Obviously, I think bigger tests lie ahead, but that was a big test that he passed with flying colours, I think. You can't blame him for either of the goals. Yeah. He and miraculously his, kept them out longer than that. His distribution's been pretty good, too. Like There are points when Sanchez is in goal, you have sort of like a mini heart attack, you know, especially playing out of the back. But he's he knows, okay, if I don't have a good passing lane to Caicedo or to one of my centre backs or my full backs, I'm just going to throw it deep or you know kick it deep and it's actually pretty on target yeah um i I do want to give a special shout out if that's okay uh nico jackson i thought i thought he played 
pretty well on that yeah, left wing too. position. He was great in the build up. Was you know part of the first goal as well, and I thought he played brilliantly. Third goal too. Yeah, he's absolutely. laid on the ball for Palmer. I mean, Palmer did most of the work, yeah. but it was a lovely turn. He gets so much flack, and I mean, we're going to talk about this a bit later in the episode, but I think it's completely unwarranted, and I think he's done really, really well for his first few months in the Premier League. Also, want to give a shout out to Caicedo as well. Oh, he was brilliant too. Yeah. He was, and like. I looked at the average positioning after because I was like, people were raving about Gallagher in this game. I know we're going to talk about Connor in a bit, but Caicedo was a li- was literally playing the pivot on his own. He was, if you look at his average position for that first sixty six minutes, he was in front of the defence, and Connor was really in the right wing position for most of it. Yeah, and Caicedo just bossed the midfield, and this is the point. I think some of our fans were laying into our midfield and our team for being very tired at the end of that game. We played three games in seven days. No other team in the Premier League has had that schedule. Most of those players had played all those minutes, especially our midfield, because we haven't had the luxury of changing it round. I mean, three wins out of four over the Christmas period, that's pretty good. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think of Pochettino? I thought the game sort of changed a little bit to, on their end when we brought in Enzo. And I think Enzo was still tired. You saw some of the rust from his injury and stuff like that. The Enzo we saw today against Preston was the Enzo that we come to know in the beginning of last year and in the beginning of this year. I mean, brilliant, right? Yeah. But I think in this game, I think that bringing him in, I think it sort of, you know, we lost possession in that midfield. He gave the ball away a couple of times. I think that was the one decision I didn't like what he did. But then when he bought on Alfie Gilchrist <laughs> at the <laughs> 90th minute, I knew that was three points in the bag. You know what? I was quite critical of Poch during the game because I thought, he should have made changes earlier. I think as soon as Chong came on, all their attack came down the left and we were just completely top-heavy again. And he waited until the second goal went in to solidify the defence and bring Gilchrist on, who did brilliantly for those few minutes. As soon as we moved to that formation of five at the back, they didn't get a sniff after that. No, no, it was, it was great. I think my, my only other issue is when Nkuku came on, it looked like he was invisible. For well, that part of the, for that 30 minutes of the game when he came on. That might be because he's injured again. Yeah. Which yeah. is in the last few minutes, Pochettino has confirmed that he picked up a hip injury in training. Which I'm starting starting to think that maybe there's something in Pochettino's training that is causing some of these injuries. Yeah, but these injuries happened even last year when Potter was coach yeah, or when true. Lampard was coach. And or maybe we just bought injury prone players. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, I don't. There's not a real correct answer. I think it's you know a multitude of many things. Maybe it's a pitch that they train at Acaba. Maybe it's their training methods or their training regimen. Maybe it's them not getting enough. You know what? Pot, what Pep does. Pep is really good at rotating his players. I mean, he yeah. has a squad full of amazing players, but you don't see Foden playing 90 minutes every single game. You don't see Alvarez playing 90 minutes yeah. every single game. Pep has a good way of rotating his players. Right, he he's dealt with these big injuries with KDB and stuff like that. Now he knows, okay, I can't let my attacking players play ninety minutes every single game. There has to be a rotation, mind you. He has backing, a lot of financial backing. Just I think Pochettino and I have financial <laughs> backing. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'm just saying though. But yeah, yeah. we have, we have yeah, a very we have a very young squad, and we don't have the the benefit of having these elite players like Holland that have brought in bagging and goals left and right or whatever. Our squad is very young, very raw, and outside of Sterling, you know, very inexperienced in the Premier League. Yeah, and so it's hard for us to do that. We're seeing Cole Palmer, long legs, playing a lot of minutes now. You're seeing Gallagher playing a lot of minutes. Luckily, he got a rest today. You're going to see Caicedo playing extended amount of minutes. You know, and then with Nico Jackson now gone to the Afcon, you're going to see Broja playing a lot of minutes as well. And I'm starting to think that the rotation thing. I'm starting to think that Pochettino might not be too confident that he's going to be in a job in next season. But the thing is, you know, this is a thing about Chelsea fans, and you and I specifically, 
we're, we're probably our own worst critics. We we want rotation, but then we also want stability in the attacking lineup. Yeah. We can't, we can't yeah, have both. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we can't have both. Right? Yeah. Every week we harp, you got to consistently play these players. You need to build up some teamwork or, or whatever. Yeah. But then we now we're wanting some rotation. Yeah, rotate the players. <laughs> rotate the players. Fudge. What are you doing? So it's yeah, just it's, you, you just don't know as a coach what, what you can and can't do. You know, I mean, we want some stability in our front three, but we don't want them to get injured. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's hard for it's hard to make that point. Yeah, I think that's a good point actually, and I'll, I'll correct myself on that. <laughs> <laughs> so we moved to today, Chelsea four, Preston North End nil into the um, third round of the FA Cup. So we go into the fourth round. Can I just put a shout out? The FA Cup gets a bad rap, and I was going to make this point that us being shit for a year has made me really appreciate being in these competitions now. Actually. I really want to win both the, the League Cup and the FA Cup. I really want to. We haven't won anything domestically for a long time, and I'm desperate to do it. My hometown is Maidstone in the UK, which is about and about 50 minutes south of London, central London. Maidstone United play in the very, very non-league. <laughs> very, very non-league. And they managed to get through to the FA Cup third round today, and they played Stevenage in the third round, who are 69 places above them in League One. And Maystone won one nil today, so they've got a fourth round tie. They could potentially play Chelsea in the next round, which well, is I just hope amazing. It's not I hope it's not away. I mean, no, no disrespect. Oh, to your town, but I try you to can wa- disrespect I, I to, my town all you want. Like, I try to watch a game today because Simon texted me this morning, and I was, I was like, "You got to watch my my home team is playing." I, like, I put it on for like five minutes, and I literally had a migraine. <laughs> the camera angle was awful because you're used to seeing like a wide angle of the pitch and everything like that but it felt like I was a spectator there I was like you know I was like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm just getting a migraine watching this also game also the way that they play football is just boot the ball up <laughs> exactly. as high as you can and as far and, as you and can there's and there's a necessary risk of getting one of our players injured you know because they play really physical and on not real grass yeah, as well yeah so. exactly we saw what happened in Chicago right yeah, we yeah. want that to happen here but that's the biggest FA Cup upset for a very long time yeah. actually it's huge huge results so shout out to Maystone no, it's true good thing about it you make a very good point as an American and this kind of you know is the main notice of our podcast you know we have this arrogance that oh we don't need to play in the FA Cup we don't need to play in the Carabao Cup we want our players to be healthy there's no reason to play in these tin pot cups but when I traveled to England and I talked to you and I talked to some of the people there you know who grew up Chelsea fans or grew up just you know football fans in general in England the FA Cup was the most prized trophy for the longest time. And it is still for a lot of fans in England. Yeah. And it's it's one of those, you know, it's a huge institution. And I don't think that we should take it for granted, you know, being American fans. It's a way to showcase not just lower level teams, but also academy products on your own team. Yeah. Allowing them to play, uh, you know, meaningful minutes in the early rounds. It's still a really big trophy to win as well. Like I think the Premier League has just achieved such dominance in terms of financial clout and influence around the world the FA Cup for English people is still very important I went to Chelsea versus Portsmouth the FA Cup final the year we won the double and that was one of the greatest games I've ever been to not just the fact that we won the double which is the only time that we've done it in our history but like it felt like a big big game like 90,000 people at Wembley and like a lot riding on it and you have to say Abramovich took under his reign at Chelsea took the FA Cup seriously every year in the final basically every season Which is not easy to do. Before Abramovich took over, I think we'd won the FA Cup three times, and Arsenal had won it eight, and we'd caught up with them. Like with, I think we've won it six times now. I know they won it a few more times as well, but it's 
It's a trophy record. That's what we hear as Chelsea fans. We're here to win things. That's what we want to see. And may I add also, it's another avenue to Europe for a team that's not looking to make top four, top five yes. anytime soon. So we can get to Europe. I think it's Europa playoffs, right? If we win the FA Cup. Yeah. Yep. So that's another way for Chelsea to kind of get into Europe and get into, you know, making some money to help offset this FFP allegations that we yeah. may be going through <laughs> unless Todd can do his magic with yeah. immortization. Find a few more loopholes to <laughs> exactly. jump through. Uh, Loophole FC, that's our new yeah. nickname, right? <laughs> Uh, going back to the game, though, it was nice seeing you know the first start um, for Gilchrist there in the, in the right fullback position. And I think you made the comment of the pub, how can Poch play him out of position? Well, he did. <laughs> you know, yeah. that traditional center back <laughs> playing right fullback and then put Gusta in the left fullback position. But I digress. We're not going to talk about that. We were actually asked not to talk about <laughs> yeah. players. Out no of comment. No comment. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, the, the lineup was great. It was nice seeing Enzo playing. You know, I, we were. I was kind of concerned about his uh, groin injury and then seeing him and Caicedo. Man, our mid field looked really good today yeah very good i mean i, I know it's against Preston north end uh but yeah no they played outstanding but it was a frustrating first half especially in the pub you can hear the groans the mumbles i mean there's a very set way to play against chelsea away from home if you're not a great team it's to sit in a low block and it works usually but the last three or four times it's happened now we've broken through and won which is mm. huge so i think we're getting used to playing that way and to be honest this is I think a huge vital part of that is paying Enzo deeper. Yeah. Really. I think we're going to talk about Gallagher and his role within the Chelsea team, but Enzo and Caicedo playing deep today made a big difference. I know we were sloppy in the first half, but Palmer should have scored that chance. He took oh, it so down brilliantly. Beautiful pass by Enzo. Yeah. Found and a that, run of the dime. And yeah, that is what you need to beat down a low block in that first half. And that, if that had gone in, we would have walked it for the entire 90. But Imagine if that was Nico Jackson that missed... Yeah. That goal. I mean, how much Twitter would explode on him and Instagram and Reddit, you know. Yeah. But you know, Cole Palmer. I mean, he's cool, cold, whatever. Apart from his haircut, yeah, just yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, just you know, had a miss hit and went wide. Was, yeah, like just a little wide. He did the, the hard stuff right on that. Yeah. It was an immaculate touch to That's take. That's like it down. Chelsea in general, right? Do the hard stuff easily and do yeah. the easy stuff hard. It just you know, just it just takes one moment of brilliance or one moment of. You know, astonishment to not score. Um, what about Sterling? He had a lot of uh, frustration in the first half. People were kind of frustrated with his play. I thought the first half generally was quite poor from everybody. And I think yeah. we clicked into gear. You could see Pochettino was really animated. Apparently he left the bench early to go down to the tunnel and must have fired a rocket up their asses. Or he oh, had Taco Bell the night before, yeah. right? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. They came out in the second half and we looked like a different team. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, it was yeah. very, very good. And it was a good showing. That first goal, once that first goal went in, we knew it was going to open him up. And it was a great cross in by Gusto. And what a wonderful header by Brogia. Oh, yeah. Who also was getting a lot of hate in the first yeah. first half. Because I think, you know, his hold-up play, he lost the ball a lot of times when he got the ball in sort of the hold-up position to kind of hit it to the wingers. And he, you know, lost possession. But when you when you cross the ball into him, I mean, he, he had a second another chance to score right after that, with another header in. Uh, you know, he, he just put it on target. I was really, really impressed with yeah. that. It reminded me of Giroud, almost. Yeah, that was an outstanding goal, actually. Yeah, he got better as the game went on. I think it sort of was symbolised the entire team, actually. I think Sterling played very well in the second half, actually. And this is the thing, is that Preston are not a great team, but the championship level is not too far away from the Premier League level now. It really isn't. And... We'll see against Middlesbrough on Tuesday. It's going to be really, really tough in the League Cup. Yeah, it's going I mean, to be really tough. Aston Villa, what, the 69th minute to score against yeah. them and beat them in the first, in this and round of the FA? It, these teams are organised and the level isn't that much far of a drop-off from championship to bottom of the Premier League. And, you know, we've played teams who sit in that low block and it's just a nightmare for us. But we're kind of figuring it out. And, yeah, I think we just played much better in the second half, made some 
little changes I think work really well actually I think Gilchrist came off and then Gusto moved over to, to the right and then Colwell to the left and the midfield just dominated from then on in and yeah all the goals were pretty tasty actually. Silva at this age being able to just you know put that uh, ball in another great header off the free kick was just amazing I mean that guy is just like an yeah. angel's wonder he's He's probably going to come down to be one of my favorite Chelsea players of all time. Oh, he's incredible. Me, you know? Yeah. And the fact that he's being able to do this at such a such an age. I mean, I'm what, maybe a few months older than him and yeah. I can barely go down the street, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Check my mail, I'd probably pull a hammy. I, you know what, when he eventually stops playing, I think they need to keep him in the club. Yeah, uh, at capacity. all costs. And I think it'll be easier now because I think his kids are sort of ingrained in the academy as well and yeah. you can probably have them come play in our youth it's, system or at Strasbourg at some point. Yeah, didn't his son come on... David Washington Silva. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we thought, right? When he came in, I was like, oh, what if Thiago's kids on the pitch now? Yeah, he looks a, looks a bit like him, actually. I wonder if it's yeah. a secret one. And also, kind of point out, you know, as much as hate Sterling gets, you know, that free kick was just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he's had two great kicks against Newcastle on this one. It was just it was just sublime. And their keeper had a day. Yeah. He had a day, man. It was just bad keeping. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> really poor. Really poor. <laughs> really you know? poor. Yeah, I think as soon as that first goal came, I think everyone relaxed at the bar as soon as that goal went in because they offered nothing going forward, yeah. didn't they? So it was, it was a comfortable afternoon in the end. So Yeah, and then Enzo's goal at the end. I'm happy Enzo scored. There's a, lot of, a couple of my friends are big Enzo haters. I mean, they're Mania supporters anyways, but they're big Enzo haters and just happy that he was able to score, what, two more goals than Hoyland Their entire scored? attack. Yeah, and then <laughs> Anthony or Hoyland scored this year yeah, exactly. so far, right? I saw a very good graphic about, you know, they do the player comparisons of like goals and assists. And they had a picture of Anthony and then the other player they were comparing to was just nobody. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, so it's, it's funny. through to the fourth round and that's all we can do. Um, who do you want in the next round? Do you want a lower league opposition? Oh, lower league opposition, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think you just need it right now, especially with the fixture that's going to come up in February, March, April, you know, and that's possibly playing a FA Cup or a Carabao Cup final. With yeah. Liverpool, you know, and I think you want to have a lower league. I'm, I don't want to go out like we did last year when we got City yeah, right away. Same. Twice, you know. I'd love to have Maystone United at home. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be, good. that'd be fun. That'd be fun. So there's been numerous conversations in the last couple of weeks. Well, last week mainly since the January transfer window opened about rumours about Conor Gallagher leaving Chelsea. I think the fan base is universally pretty aligned on this in terms of what we should do but what are your thoughts on Conor Gallagher and what Chelsea are doing I think if you'd asked me in the summer I think it'd be different right because we've seen a much different Conor Gallagher this year playing a different role than what we saw in years past in more 10 or advancing role 8 to 10 position but he's playing more deep now and he's just been brilliant I mean yeah there's some irrational tackles that he makes every now and then gets a couple yellow cards gets a red card or whatever but I think he's our club captain he's never injured never injured you can always rely on him and he's only going to get better i think being in a versatile role as a midfielder both holding and advancing interesting take i i mentioned this previously i think if the owners sell him this window it's an act of vandalism purely from the fact that we don't have any fit midfielders outside of caicedo and enzo around him now and maybe andre santos but he's completely unproven where i stand on it may be slightly different to a lot of chelsea fans i think that I think he's markedly improved this year. I think he's been a few games where he's been outstanding. However, I believe that Pochettino is making him the focal point of our midfield. And I think that's a problem. I really think it's a problem. I think today you saw with Enzo playing deeper, where Gallagher has been playing next to Caicedo in the last few games. I feel that we miss that kind of ingenuity, creative 
ability within midfield. I feel that Gallagher offers a lot of energy and erraticness and fouling, which I think is a bit of a problem. And I think, to be honest, I think having Moises Caicedo next to him has helped him improve and made him look better than he is, personally. I don't think we should sell him. I do not think we should sell him, but I do not think he's been as wonderful as we all mentioned. See, this is where I take issue. I think you took one sample of a game having Caicedo and Enzo. And that's against Preston North End. All right, it was against but a team. But no, but no, let me finish. It, it's it's against a team that didn't counter press at all. Caicedo and Enzo are great when they have so much time with possession of the ball. They're able to pinpoint their passes and stuff like that. When you saw Caicedo and Enzo play together against Aston Villa, against other teams that counter pressed, it was it was it was shameful. Look how bad our midfield was against Man U. Shambolic. I know that you know they they didn't play one of them to play, but still, what Connor Gallagher adds so far in this team so far, number one in assists for this team. Number one chances that, created. Is that true? Yeah. Number one chances created. This is from a couple of weeks ago. I'll have to joke, okay? Uh, <laughs> number one in tackles. Number one in interceptions. Number one in possessions one. Number one in possessions one in the final third. And it's covered the most distance. And number and the other thing is he's never injured. Never injured. Yeah. And I know you can say, well, Kai, well, you know, Poch is playing him in a, in a different role and making the focal point. Who else does he have to make a focal point that's not going to be consistently playing at a, at, at a level? Enzo. He's injured, though. He gets injured left and right, you know? I mean, this year he has, not last year. But the thing about Enzo is I think what we saw last year in the holding position was great, but what I saw in Benfica and for the Argentina game was playing advancing was he can score. That's the Enzo that we want, right? So I think Connor right now should be the focal point on breaking the press because he's doing such a great job of it this year so far, more than I thought he would be doing. Yeah. And like you said, I think it would be an act of vandalism if they sold him. This is the issue, though. If somebody came to you, with 65 million pounds, that's pure profit, for Conor Gallagher, or whatever they you, you got from Mason Mount, would you sell him for that? I think I would, because I think there are some other pressing issues within our squad that we need to address. I think the reason, I, if we had not... Is, spent, is there like another Argentinian 17-year-old <laughs> you want to purchase, or somebody from Equatorial Guinea or something? The way that I see it is that we're not in financial fair play problems. However, we can't add a top level striker that we need unless we sell players and unfortunately we've put ourselves in this position which I'm blaming our owners for that (laughs) I'm not blaming Conor Gallagher for that I'm blaming our owners saying that what's the more pressing issue right now we've got midfielders coming back and in my mind when Caicedo, Lavia and Enzo are all fit Gallagher does not start in this team he does not start in the number 10 because we have Nkunku and Palmer but he's a good utility player but can you afford to not sell a utility player for sixty-five million pounds? This is the this is the thing, though. When you say when they're all fit, we don't know when that's going to happen or if that's going to happen. Injuries plague this midfield. I mean, you saw Lavia; he yeah. came on for thirty minutes and, and had another knock, and we don't even know when he's going to come back. Yeah. Caicedo and Enzo play so many minutes, not just for Chelsea, but for their national teams, their respective national teams. They're going to be playing a lot this summer. Yeah, right. So you can't have this luxury of saying yeah if our midfield is fit then we'd sell him for this price or whatever we don't know if that's going to happen or if that's going to happen you know we know that at Cobham these these players pick up injuries and knocks or whatever I say you keep this player because he is consistent he's only getting better and he never gets injured and he's a captain and he's a focal point that Poch wants to make in the in in offense and I think he'll only get better we saw his goal scoring abilities at Crystal Palace, but that hasn't happened for three because seasons. Because he's, yeah, but he's playing in the, he's playing in that in in the holding position, right? He's not playing in that attacking position that Enzo was playing. Yeah, all right, he's playing in a completely different position at Crystal Palace. He's playing on the wing, what Mason Mount played, 
with us. And that's why yeah. you saw Mason Mount player of the year a couple of years because he was scoring goals because he was playing that position. So I think you can't sell him. I mean, yeah, of course, 60 million or whatever, maybe if they have awesome income lined up or something like that or another striker or proven striker. But I think the argument that, you know, if we have a stable midfield of Lavia, Enzo, and Caicedo, then there's there's just a chance that we could sell him for pure profit. I don't know if that's gonna ever, ever going to happen. Maybe, maybe. And, but I'm the, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying doing it in January. I'm saying doing it in yeah. the summer. I don't think they'll sign him in January, though. I think, I think that no, they, it would be madness to it'd, do it. It would be, be madness to do it. It'd be terrible. And then, you know, I think if you think about it, though, there is a segment to your argument. We do have a lot of midfielders that we've purchased, right? Not just what we have playing for us right now. Out on loan. Ogachukwu, we have Santos, Cassidy. These are players that Chelsea have put money into and hopefully would see the field, right? Is there is there a chance that there's too much wealth of talent in our midfield where we may have to sell Connor for a pure profit? I think maybe you can make a point on that, but they yeah. haven't got we haven't gotten to that level yet where these players are actually contributing on the pitch. True. And this is why I said it would be an act of vandalism if we did it in January, given our extensive injury list. And I think also... From what I understand as well, the club is like fully in on Carney Chipmaker as a number 10 as well. So I think if you are looking, it's a very far off proposal because our players never all fit. I just think in the pecking order, he goes, if everyone is fit, he goes down quite low. What I do think is very interesting though, outside of Gallagher, if they do sell him this year, I think that says a lot about where Pochettino is at as our manager. I think if they sell him in January, Pochettino knows he's not going to be here next year. Yeah, I think that if they have the full backing of the manager, they'll keep him. But if they sell him without the manager's, you know, you know, belief or whatever, or if Poch wants to keep him, but they're still going to sell him, then yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of volatility in the in, in, in the management side of it. Yeah, January's going to be a very long month. I think at least until he signs a new contract, I don't believe that he's not going not going to be. That's not the sold. other issue, right? If he doesn't sign a new contract, then I think we'll have a forced hand that we do have to sell him because he only has one year. But left. he has to want to leave as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is a really interesting case study about where our new owners are at with our fan base you you know he wants to stay Mm -hmm. i mean he he's said that many of times even when he was at crystal palace when he went on loan he'd give these interviews like yeah i still want to play for chelsea even though i enjoy my time at palace let them know that in this interview and you can just tell like the way he wears a badge i mean yeah rash fouls of course but he's young and he's going to make those mistakes i think he'll learn from that at some point all our players need to learn from that he's not the only one that's immune to criticism in that in that regard everybody's made mistakes in getting you know accumulating yellow cards including Cole Palmer and Nico Jackson. Yeah. But he does have to have temper his sort of excitement on the pitch when he's on a yellow card, and I think that will come with time. Yeah. And I think we're going to see some of that goal scoring eventually when he gets to be able to move around more when we have a lot when Lavia comes back. I will give him credit. I did not anticipate having this discussion in January about the whole fan base being united and keeping him against our owners who were trying to shift him because I thought his Chelsea career was done at the end of the season. So you have to say he's improved a lot and made the club have some ask them to sell some difficult questions which is all you can do so watch this space i think there's some more twists to come so that brings us to the episode of chelsea against the world again listeners thank you guys so much for tuning in listening to us when we win lose or draw luckily it was after two big wins for us one in the epic cup one in, in the premier league we do want to do a special shout out to our cousins in louisiana carefree louisiana they are doing their third annual blues day in New Orleans. That's February 2nd to the 4th. We try to have Dylan Polk, who is one of their presidents on, on our show. We had some technical difficulties. I always hate technology. And so we had some trouble getting them on, but I do want to plug um, their Blues Days, uh, February 2nd through the 4th, 2024. And if you you have any questions about information in regards to that event, their website is carefreelouisiana.com. 
carefreelouisiana.com. Also, if you want to follow us on social medias, we are CATW Podcast. That's CATW Podcast. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have any suggestions on any future content or want to ask us any questions, please email us at podcastcatw at gmail.com, podcastcatw at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Please do give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Trying to get to more people as we possibly can as we're now on a bit of a winning run. We've got some big games coming up in the next week or so. So uh, keep the faith and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.